Welcome to the Program Pod, a national award-winning program on the RCBC Podcast Network, which takes a deep dive into the programs offered at RCBC through different perspectives of students, faculty, and employers. Hello, and welcome to the Program Pod. Yes, that's right, the national award-winning program here in the RCBC Podcast Network. And this is Jay Varga for the first episode of the new semester, which is underway right now. Uh, come back from a nice summer break. Hope you enjoyed the commencement series coverage. But... This time we're going to be talking some criminal justice. I got three excellent guests with us. I have Jonathan Darpino, a current criminal justice major at RCBC. Joe Rizzo, a fellow colleague of mine, RCBC assistant professor in a criminal justice program and maybe soon to be play caller for the Philadelphia (laughs) Phillies. And Willie Bonds, deputy commissioner for the New Jersey Department of Corrections, who has over 25 years of correctional experience. Gentlemen, welcome to the program pod. That's right. Thank you. There you go. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank on, you. Step on yeah. up. All right. So, as uh, usually, I like to start with the student first here for the RCBC. So, we're going to start with you, John. Uh, first of all, nice and easy. What brought you to uh, RCBC? Uh, and, I'm sorry. And was criminal justice also your first choice? Uh, criminal justice was actually not my first choice. Um, I came in with, I think it was uh, education, but uh, I kind of actually just took a break from that and then I came back with like a, a new focus. So, with okay. that criminal justice, yeah. So what made you what made you change? Like why why did you want to be criminal justice? Uh, I guess uh, I came in like with I picked education because I really wasn't actually sure what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to get into like a like a public service. Okay. But um, really, I kind of get just narrowed it down after just like taking some time to think about it. And why did you want to get into public service? Uh, both my parents are public servants. Um, my mom is actually um support coordinator for people with special needs, awesome. and then she also works for um which uh, uh, New Jersey Department of Families and Ch- uh, Children and Families, sorry. Okay. And then my dad's a retired teacher. Awesome. All right. So um, so actually speaking of teaching, and then we have one of your teachers right next to you with uh, Joe Rizzo. You're actually just getting out of your first class in the semester with Professor Rizzo, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Just left. How was today's class? It's good. Yeah. You feel good to be back? Oh, yeah. Definitely. And you've had, you've had class with uh, Professor Rizzo before, right? Yep. Yeah. So what are you, what are you learning from him? Uh, the last class I took with him was uh, criminal law, so it was just kind of like a, like a kind of an introductory thing to criminal law and just the uh, a whole bunch of aspects of that. Okay, and um, so what are you what are you looking to go from here? Like in, you know, criminal justice obviously, and we'll talk about it throughout the program can offer a various um, you know careers, right? So what are you trying to specialize in? Where do you think you're trying to go with this? So I, I came in uh, thinking I wouldn't wanted to get into law enforcement, but now I'm kind of looking at uh, law school as another option. So I'm just weighing some different options at the moment. Okay, just yeah. kind of going through. And you're a part of the three plus one program. Yep. Yeah, this is my uh, junior year. Okay. So, um, the best advice so far you've taken away from you know any of the criminal justice classes, you know, for other students that are coming in. I guess uh, it would be like kind of just. Uh, stay diverse and um, just be flexible. I mean, like, like I said, I came in like thinking I wanted to do law enforcement, but uh, a few professors have kind of pointed me towards law school too. So. Well, even kind of thinking you were doing education. Yeah. Switched over to yeah. that. So right. yeah, definitely. And what are some of the challenges, you know, being a student going through some of this program? Uh, I guess the balance between uh, working, finding time to spend with like family, friends, but uh, yeah, definitely just balance. 
Do you mean, oh, just going to college? Yeah. <laughs> going yeah. to college and, and working. Stuff. Right, right. Uh, so looping in, uh, Professor Rizzo, is, is it okay to call you Joe? Yes, okay. please do. Because Joe and I, again, for anybody listening out there, is uh, Joe and I worked across the hallway from each other. They're at the criminal justice uh, wing up there in Laurel Hall in the 300 suites. But I tucked me away in the radio, which we kind of shifted into podcast. But Joe and I are always uh, talking baseball a lot of the times. And maybe we'll have you do a little play-by-play or something of sorts. But before we get into your background... Uh, I always like to ask the faculty members, you know, why did you pick, uh, pick a particular student? And, um, you know, our person who ends our social media, Victoria O'Reilly, from our marketing department, was doing an excellent story on John. Um, she said he's an awesome person. I want to know why you think he was an awesome person. Well, my experiences with John in class have been uh, excellent. He's an excellent student. He's driven. He works hard. Um, he cares about success. Um, and... Uh, he mentioned law school. He's an excellent writer, and certainly that's going to take him a long way, especially when it comes to going to law school. But he has a real interest in criminal justice. Every class that he's had with me, mm-hmm. he, um, he, you can tell immediately that he cares, he wants to do well. So um, I'm fortunate when Victoria asked me for names. Jonathan's one of a, a number of really good students who are here, um, that I could have recommended. And um, I'm glad Jonathan was the one who decided to do this. Um, like I said, um, he's done a great job here. So you talk about uh, a great writer. Why, why is that important in, that, in this field? Well, in almost any field, but especially in criminal justice, you have to be able to communicate. Um, I spent a lot of time in my career working for the New Jersey Department of Corrections as has uh, Deputy Commissioner Bonds. And you know, communication is one of the biggest things that we deal with, and I dealt with and he's dealing with. And simply writing a report is, for many in criminal justice and law enforcement, you name it, it's every day. You're asked to write a report. And in many cases, it becomes a legal document. So that has to be written correctly and properly. Um, and it, it's sharing information. And if you can't do that, that it you know, it can make for some stressful situations. And Jonathan is one of many of our students who can communicate and write well. Is that, is that true, Deputy Commissioner? Oh, absolutely it's true. Um, communication is a big, big part of what we do. Um, those from the outside who may not be familiar with what we do mm-hmm. may be shocked to hear that. But um, having great communication skills can um, make or break you on any given day if mm-hmm. you're not able to either verbally articulate what just took place and your justification for the actions that you took or the actions that you did not take, or if you're not able to memorialize those actions or um, your justification in writing, um, it can be, um, it can lead to some undesirable outcomes, I'll say, or, or at the very least, just difficult situations. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I didn't realize like writing was, that important, but the thing about it when you talk about just having to put, like you said, put those reports and then being a legal binding document too, mm-hmm. it's kind of, uh, it's out there. Um, so, uh, Joe, you, you're starting to get into your background. So let's, let's talk about that. Can you talk about your background and kind of like what led you up to RCBC and teaching here? Well, it's a long story. We got a little bit of time. <laughs> but I started a long time ago as a public school teacher and, um, my neighbor, uh, came to me one day and said, they need teachers at the Garden State Correctional Facility. And um, I've told this story many, many times, and to my students, I've heard it more than once. Um, I actually thought he had, he was 
it was speaking Greek to me. That are you kidding me? That um, I'm going to actually you want me to teach in prison with you know convicted felons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I had no concept of what prison was, other than what I'd seen on TV. And um, I made the decision uh, to do it, and spent the next 27 years working for the New Jersey Department of Corrections. I will tell you, and I think, again, Deputy Commissioner Bonds will confirm this, it is a field that many people do not think about going into. In my wildest dreams, I never thought this is where I would go, Um, but I'm very proud of what I did there. Um, And I still, to this day, get to talk about it. Um, And I, again, I became a teacher there and was promoted up the ranks. I became director of education, assistant superintendent, and then... um, Going back over 20 years now, I was promoted to prison administrator. New Jersey doesn't use the term warden. They use prison administrator. And that's what I became. Um, I was administrator of the Mountain View Correctional Facility. And then I became administrator of our reception center. Um, Retired and continued to work in the halfway house field, which is in conjunction with the Department of Corrections. Um, I won't bore you with all those details. but um, And then... um, as luck would have it, I became an adjunct professor and was hired here full time. And here I am. And, and here, you, and here I, you are. Yeah. It's been a long, but uh, wonderful career for myself. And to be here now at RCBC is just a really a tremendous benefit to me. And so what type of courses and content are you specifically teaching here at RCBC? Obviously it's within the criminal justice program. Well, I teach the corrections classes here. I teach community corrections, which really um, go hand in hand in many respects. Um, and I also teach criminal law. I'm not a lawyer, but, um, I really enjoy teaching criminal law. And as part of our three plus one program, I teach theories of crime. You know, uh, it, that was a course that, um, we've been teaching here since our affiliation with Rowan university going back to t- 2016. Um, and I just finished that class. Jonathan is in that class. We just finished that, uh, at 320. So, um, that's pretty much what I teach here, um, and uh, we we have a great program here, one of the larger majors here. It has been historically for many, many years here, and it's continuing to um, grow in that regard. So we've been blessed with a, with a, uh, a large contingent of students. Now, John, have you taken a criminal law course? Yeah. 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 So is that what kind of made you start to think towards, instead of, getting, instead of being like a statey, kind of going more towards uh, being law? Yeah, and uh, some family members that I have, I have an aunt who's in the retired judge as well. So okay, all right. Um, so Joe, you talked about you said there was obviously a lot of success stories like mm-hmm. like John. Um, do you still keep in touch with all those students? Yeah, I mean we have um, a number of our st- you know um, in many cases they become police officers. I can you know without going through names and so forth. There's been a number who become police officers. Some still keep in contact or ask for references. You often get a call. Mr. Rizzo, I had you two years ago, three years ago. I'm trying to get this job, that job, etc. And, you know, they're asking for references and so forth. So, yeah, we still do a lot of that um, to try to help them in that regard. And Deputy Commissioner Bonds, I will get to you in a second. I promise. I try to loop in everybody in, but, you know, we're we're promoting a program here a little bit on the program pod of RCBC. Um, So, these... Prison administrator 
slash warden or whatever. Right. You sit and you have, I'm sure you have tons of stories. Yes. Yeah. Do you yeah. share some of these stories in class? Yes, I do. What can you t- share? Maybe well, one it's just the, the the daily management and the 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 individuals who you meet. And you know, you know, when you when you work in a system as long as uh, Deputy Commissioner Bond and I did, if you put us together, it's over 50 years of experience. You meet a lot of individuals, and I'm not just talking about the offender. Um, and I know there's a new name for that now. Incarcerated person. Uh, incarcerated. Thank you. Yeah, I want to make sure I get that right. Incarcerated person. Um, but it's also the staff you get to meet. Um, I've worked with some tremendous individuals in my career who taught me things that I never even thought about when I started working in the business. And I, I've. it's part of the reason I was successful. Um, and you get to meet a lot of good people who really care about what they're doing. Um, and it's a business where if you, you need that support, you need that guidance every day. Um, you know, and certainly I work with some notorious offenders who, you know, uh, were well known, not only in New Jersey, but in, in the United States. Uh, but that's, that's part of it. But you work with a lot of most offenders that you work with, um, they're going to be in and out of the system. They're not staying for 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, that's not the norm, you know, um, but. You know, uh, but the the thing that amazed, I think the thing I can comment on probably best was the experiences I had with the staff and their willingness to put themselves in harm's way to keep people safe and secure in very, very trying and difficult situations. Um, and I'm sure, again, you could, he's, he, uh, Deputy Commissioner Bond is the person you really should talk about this, who's living it as we speak. You know, I've been retired, um, and I, he certainly could speak uh, in much more detail than I could about some of that. Well, let's look, use that little segue. There you See, go. We're, we're there you gonna, go. That's See? one thing from play, <laughs> play by play. There you go. Uh, but, okay, again, Deputy Commissioner Bonds here. Um, would you like to elaborate on that like uh, a little bit? Like, what's Before we get into some more of your background stuff, sure. what is some of the stuff you see on a day-to-day basis or um, what Joe was talking about? It's an interesting question. <laughs> Because um, well, it's kind of like two sides to it, as, as I, I see it anyway. People watch TV shows like Oz is one of the more you know popular ones, and people think that everyday corrections life looks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sensationalized to a degree, of course. Anything, most things you see on TV are sensationalized a bit. Um, you know, we, we do have some trying situations. We have some dangerous situations and scenarios that um, play out on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis without a doubt. Um, but on a normal day in most facilities, things are pretty routine where you have individuals getting up in the morning, they're going to work, they're going to school, they're going to some type of program, you know, things of that nature. And those, those activities continue throughout the day. Um, we do have individuals, unfortunately, who engage in behavior that's less than desirable and put our staff in some difficult situations up to and including staff assaults. You know, those type of situations, needless to say, are unfortunate and um, not good situations for our staff. Um, but, um, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like on a day-to-day perspective. Sure. Um, like like Joe said, you know, we, we do have, um, when people look at it from the outside in, you know, People are always wondering what it's like. We do have some individuals who have committed some crimes with some, you know, very high, you know, notoriety. Um, 
it's probably one of the more interesting things is interacting with those interacting with those individuals on a day-to-day basis because we interact with everybody it doesn't matter if they're there for a year or if they're there for 45 50 years or they're doing a life sentence it doesn't matter we are interacting with them on a daily basis they are all offered programming education and and all of the services that we have um that are available for all of them. And just to piggyback off of what you said also, Joe, earlier about um, the incarcerated population as a whole, at least I would say anywhere between 80 to 85% of them are going home. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a very small group, a small percentage that are serving either a life sentence or multiple life sentences, or maybe they're at an advanced age and they have a very long sentence as well. And, you know, they may not make it home. But outside of that, 80 to 85 percent of these individuals are coming back to um, our community. So that's why another reason it isn't coming upon us to make sure that we are providing them with the tools, the education, the services to help them hopefully successfully reintegrate back into society. So what kind of tools and services are you uh, providing? Like what kind of can you give us an example? Um, Try to help you know better them to kind of get them ready for that, that society adjustment again. Well, one of the main things is education. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the incarcerated individuals who end up with us don't even have a high school education. So we offer GED programs and we also offer higher education as well. Individuals who are um, that interested and motivated um, can um, obtain their associate's degree or their bachelor's degree. We even have a master's degree. Um, program. So, and these are partnerships with, you know, obviously um, higher education um, um, institutions throughout the state um, on the um, the higher ed side. Yeah. But um, so those are some of the things on the education side. Um, we have programming that addresses um, substance use um, disorders. We have programs that address um, anxiety, um, any type of um, use disorder, whether it be um, uh uh, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Mental health issue, you know. Well, I was talking about more specifically um, NA. Oh, I mean, yeah. Okay. AA. AA programs. Um, yep. GA. Mm-hmm. Any of those programs that address any type of addictions. Like you said, also mental health is a mm-hmm. big part. Mm-hmm. Um, a large percentage of our incarcerated populations um, has some type of mental health um, disorder. Sure. So we have um, we have what we call inpatient mental health um housing and we have outpatient um obviously inpatient is more intense but um so in in there are a, a host of other offerings as well we have religious services that are available um to the incarcerated population and like i said a, a bevy of other programming so joe i know you used mm-hmm. to take students to i think, I think it was a prison for yeah, right Guard was state correction do you still do that yes we okay. do is that a part of his program or are you something you oversee in terms of, uh, I mean, I didn't know for like the listener or myself, right? Because I know you, you go into prisons and, and such. I don't know if that's the, some of the prisons that he's re- referencing or some of the inmates and stuff. Do you take? Do you guys team up together, or um, you know, what where do, where are you taking those students to go kind of see that for like? Well, we'll go. Person. We're actually we're so scheduled. Like Oz. We're scheduled to go to Garden State on uh, in October, um, and we I've done that for many many years. And we stopped during COVID. Sure. Once, you know, but again, thanks to Deputy Director Bonds and his support, we've been able to start that again. Yep. To be quite frank, and uh, he's been a big supporter of what we're trying to do here with the students. 
And again, I'm, uh, I'm going to say this uh, quite frankly, he's a member of our, our advisory board here. He's been nothing but supportive of the educational piece here. Um, he speaks in my classes, and he's encouraged others to get involved and so forth. Um, and so it's been great. And the touring to prison adds so much to the uh, class. It really does. And the students come back very, very different than before. I try to do it right in the middle of the semester, yep. and their perspective changes after they've been to the prison and then afterwards, because now they understand many of the things that we talk about in class. Um, you can only talk so much or show a video about prison life, and no one really understands it until they see it, sure. and they actually get to go to a prison, and that's because of the support we get from the New Jersey Department of Corrections, and I, I can't thank them enough um, because the the feedback that I get from the students is incredible. Many of them say, I never thought about working in corrections. And now by you taking me to see what goes on, um, changed my perspective. Because often they have a bias. As, as, as Deputy Director Bonds has said, they think it's Oz. And it is an Oz. I mean, certainly, can you put yourself in harm's way? Absolutely. But that's part of what many aspects of law enforcement is. But once they come back, their perspective has changed, and they realize that people are doing, you know, it's not just marching them to eat and so forth. There's programming and treatment. And again, for that's available throughout the state of New Jersey and every correctional facility in the state. Um, and uh, one thing I wanted to piggyback on, too, on, on what uh, Deputy Director Bond said, there is a therapeutic community also. There is a, an entire prison, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's dedicated to treatment for offenders with substance abuse. So, I mean, it's out there for them. And, you know, um, so there's a lot available to them. But my point is, again, going back to that, the students get to now see it. Yeah. You know, they, they see cells. They walk hallways. They see what the op, the correctional police officer has to go through on a daily basis. Um, it's just, I can't say enough about it, you know. John, have you taken that tour yet? Uh, no, I, actually, I took his corrections class, but I believe um, it still wasn't offered. No, because yeah, we're still kind of come back to yeah, it, yeah. right around or come back yeah. from it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, Bonds, why do you think that's important? Because I didn't know you're part of the advisory board and going into the classrooms. So, so it seems like you're really reaching out to the community beyond like your roles and responsibilities. Why do you think that is so important? Well, number one, on a personal level, it means a lot to me. Okay. Um, it's kind of how I was brought to corrections. I was taking a class at Cumberland County College, and my professor at the time was an associate warden for the federal system. Yep. And that individual spoke about the fact that the state system was going to be building a facility in Bridgeton, which is now Southwood State Prison, and um, spoke about the process and, you know, how you would go about getting hired if you were interested. And then we actually toured Southern State Correctional Facility um, in one of my classes. That was a that was a totally different experience. <laughs> um, Southern State at that time was a lot different than it was prior to us closing it about a year ago. But anyway, but that experience opened my mm -hmm. eyes to the opportunities yes. um, that were available with the department. So on a personal note, it means a lot to me. But from the department side, it means a lot. And it means a lot to our commissioner. Like she likes to say all the time, we're trying to we're trying to. We're trying to pull back the veil on what it is that we do, because a lot of people don't understand what we do. They think everything's negative. You know, there's all these problems. Look, we do have our problems. It is a challenging environment. Um, I'll give you that for sure. But we do a lot of positive things. We have great staff. They work hard. They're dedicated. 
like like Joe said, you know, our, our correctional police officers, they put themselves in harm's way, you know, at times when necessary to protect, you know, their fellow officer, other staff members, any incarcerated population. But, you know, I, like I like to tell our officers, they wear many hats. Yep. You know, they're officers, there's counselors, you know, they, they play a lot of different roles to get through a day. Um, everybody that works for the department plays a role in the successful reintegration of an incarcerated person. So we're, we're trying to educate the public um, about some of our positives, which there are many. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, yes, so, so it means a lot for I us to get that, that community outreach, absolutely. So you talked about, obviously, that just that experience. And I, I think I told you, Joe, before, like I, when I was teaching radio production, you know, I used to bring the students to the studio itself because it's one thing to kind of do it in the classroom and you teach them how to use their voice and stuff. But until you take them to the actual broadcast booth, right, then they get to see yep. for their eyes, the real studio set up. And then you, do, you can just kind of see like them just really starting to take it in and wanting to go with it. Uh, but Deputy Bonds, or Commissioner Deputy Bonds, you said that that tour, but was there also something else that kind of led you to this career path or, um, you know, to get you to where you are today? Um, the opportunities um, that professor at the time spoke about, you know, he was speaking more about the federal system, which is, you know, very similar to ours in a lot of ways. It, it is corrections. Um, but he just spoke about the opportunities that were available. When you talk about advancement, when you get in the door, there's so many directions that you can go. The, you, know, we, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about officers and, you know, uniform staff. That's where I came from. So that's kind of where my heart is. But that's only a part of what we do. There are, you know, uh, there are more civilian positions. We call them civilian if you're not in uniform. Civilian positions yeah. than are uniform position, meaning there are more actual um, officers or uniform staff, but I'm talking about a variety of positions from teachers, the maintenance staff, um, to chaplains. Um, you talk about medical professionals. I mean, that's just barely, you know, scratching the surface of all the numerous civilian titles that are available to individuals. And once you get in the door, then you have opportunities within that division or that unit to to advance you know you may get to the point where you are the supervisor of that unit and from there you may want to go further maybe you do want to run a facility you want to be an administrator so you can kind of work your way up the tree you know it goes in so many directions and there's so many branches it's just the opportunities are, are unbelievable I tell people we just had a graduation on Friday I believe it was if my memory is correct and um, one of the things that I, I told our recruits, I said, listen, I said, a lot of people don't know this as well. We're the largest law enforcement agency in the state, number one. I said, there are so many opportunities in this department. I said, no other law enforcement agency offers, offers the opportunity that we do. I said, just nobody can match it. I'm, I'm sorry, it's bragging, but it's the truth, mm-hmm. um, just by sheer numbers. So... You know, that's kind of it in a nutshell. For me, it was about opportunity, and I was fortunate enough to get in the door, and I was fortunate enough to take advantage of the opportunities that were available. And that's why I kind of like to have this show, because myself, tuning in, listening, or just bringing you guys on the show— when I think kind of criminal justice and like prison reform or whatever, I think warden and I think just the, the jail guards, right? And maybe like the, the, the male or the medical staff or lunch cafeteria staff and stuff that know it spiders out as deep as it did, even to, like I said, medical education uh, and all that. And that's why I try to inform and educate as well, you know, here within the program. And it's great to see you, uh, Deputy, getting into the classroom. And, you know, hopefully, you know, John gets to kind of experience some of that and decides, okay, maybe there's other opportunities and going for that. So with that, 
how does someone know if criminal justice is you know right for them or law or whatever? And they can it's open open well open floor to you guys, and then I can tap in John in a second too. That's an interesting question, and I, I gave you my story earlier. I never really thought about working in criminal justice. I I, I was a public school teacher and transitioned that into teaching in prison, and then. Again, to piggyback, the opportunities were there for advancement. I went back to college, got my uh, master's degree so I could be the assistant education supervisor and eventually the director of education. The same, I had to get the same credentials as a school principal. So that meant that I was still using my education background, but I was also advancing in the prison system. And that's how I did it. Uh, you know, uh, not to speak for Deputy Commissioner Bonds, but he worked, He was promoted. He, you know, he's not going to say, but he was promoted to sergeant, lieutenant, you know, and right up the ranks, and that's how he did it. But the opportunities are there. I think that's the key piece of it. That again, to uh, I'm, I'm repeating, but I think that's a big part of this. Um, that those opportunities are there for you. But like I said, I didn't really plan on this. Um, it didn't even cross my mind, to be quite frank. But I guarantee you, you can get a. Um, a lot of people who will say the same thing that, oh, you know, again, I'll give you a quick story. When I was up at Mountain View, many of my employees uh, came from the Phillipsburg, Easton, Pennsylvania area. And a lot of them would say to me, I said, how'd you get working here? Well, my, uh, uh, when my neighbor got, my neighbor said they were hiring or they closed the plant and we needed jobs. And somebody said they're hiring at the prison. And that's kind of how it evolved into, uh, back then, that's how the, the word was passed. But I guarantee if you went to all the other prisons, many of the same comments were there. Or my father worked here. My mother worked here, you know, and um, they had a successful career and the opportunities there for me. So it was passed on that way also in many cases. And I, I suspect it's still that way today. That's true. That is true. A lot of individuals, um, or a lot of our staff or legacy staff members. Yes. Where, like you said, someone in their family, whether it's their father, their mother, mm -hmm. aunt, cousin, um, neighbor, you know, whoever it may be that um, introduced them to corrections. Because, I look, let's be honest, I don't think anybody growing up necessarily as a child said, oh, I want to go work for corrections. They don't even know what it is, to yeah. be honest. It, right. So at some point in time, you're going to get introduced some way or another and, um, that's typically how, how it happens um, still to this day, even though recruiting is much more difficult nowadays. Mm, yes. You know, many, many years ago, we didn't even have to recruit. Yeah. Um, we had more individuals interested in seeking employment mm. with the department than we had vacancies. Now it's the other way around. But that's kind of being mirrored as, you know, what we're seeing in society as a whole and particularly with law enforcement. We're not the only um, law enforcement agency that is struggling with staffing. Yeah, so some of the statistics and stuff, yes. a lot of people were starting to resign or yes. um, kind of changing careers. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, is that like the biggest challenge right now in the criminal justice system or corrections and such is just the staffing itself? Absolutely. Um, by far, that is our biggest challenge right now. Because listen, in any field, no matter where you work, you need what? You need staff yeah. in order to get the job done, in order for you to um, your mission to be um, completed. You got to have staff. You got to have boots on the ground. Um, so when you don't have that, especially on the uniform side, because this is where it's it's more um, dire on the uniform side, um, 
it leads to burnout for staff Just because took the words what, right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 true because when you have we have X amount of officers that are scheduled for a shift. So if we have 20 vacancies, well, guess what? That's going to be filled by somebody either working a double shift or somebody coming in on a day off. Well, that's fine, you know, for most individuals to a degree because, you know, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of individuals like to make some extra money, you know, by way of overtime. So a little bit of overtime is actually a positive thing for staff um, morale. However, when you're being mandated to work several times a week, it gets old, mm-hmm. quite frankly, and, and staff gets tired. Um, they get frustrated. They get burned out. And then when they get burned out, guess what happens? They stop coming to work. Yep. Now that's another vacancy or another five vacancies. So it it, it quickly snowballs into a, a, a very difficult situation where we're doing um, more mandating of staff to work overtime than we certainly would like to. So, you know, since since things had shifted in that way where now we have to go out and re- recruit, that's um, that's exactly what we're doing. We have um, a recruitment unit. You can find them at any event throughout the state um, recruiting staff on a regular basis, trying to get staff in the door, trying to educate people as far as the benefits of um, corrections. I mean, at the end of the day, as we all know, one of the big things about um, state employment is you know, the eligibility for a pension. There aren't many um, employers other than some states that are offering, you know, retirement plans with defined benefits. So that's something that we still have, not as generous as it used to be, you know, many, many years ago for those who've been around for a while. But nonetheless, listen, it, it's still a very good um, defined benefit plan and is it's certainly um, worthwhile. Um, it can set you up for a nice retirement if, you know, for anybody who chooses this career path. So, and, and, you know, it is a law enforcement field. A lot of people are interested in law enforcement, but they don't think of corrections. So we're educating them about that. Then we educate them again. I know I've mentioned this before, but can't harp on it enough. Career advancement. You know, if you're looking to get ahead, if, you know, for I'm starting again, I, I typically talk, talking about officers because that's our largest um, segment of our, our, our staff there are so many opportunities for advancement. So, you know, it, it's, it's about what an individual wants to do. If you, once you get in the door, you want to be a sergeant, you want to be a lieutenant, you want to be a major, you want to move on the administrative side, um, the opportunities are plentiful. That's always the hardest part when you get into, the, into that field. It's how can I continue to move up? Yes. Right? And, instead of getting into it like what they call a dead-end job or something. Mm-hmm. Right? And it seems yes. like there's obviously plenty of opportunities and mm-hmm. to kind of make things right. Because I know there's also... I don't want to, I mean, you would know from professional experience, but the, sometimes the tension out there with the public justice system and the law enforcement and the corrections um, in the society, of course, of social media kind of adding fuel to the fire at source. And those are some of the other challenges. But I know people out there want to make a difference, right? And there's so many ways to make a difference, you know, through, you know, um, your work. What do you think they could do to try to make the, I don't know, public justice system, I don't say better working. I guess a lot of it has to do with comes down to staffing a little bit, right? Well, since we're, we're speaking here, I think education is a part of it. You know, um, I would argue that many, that our students are, we're trying to make them aware of what society, you know, in terms of what society is and what the criminal justice system is nationwide, um, the good and the bad of it. I think that's our responsibility as educators. And if we provide that for them, it gives them at least an open mind in considering any area of, of law enforcement. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we talked a lot today about corrections kind of being like, ah, you know, that's kind of a forgotten field. Um, it's incumbent on us to try to share that with them. And certainly I'm biased, obviously, because that's what I did. So I'm proud of what I did, and I certainly share that with the students. But that doesn't mean it's for everybody. Right. You know, it, so we try to give them as, as many uh, areas that they can work in, local law enforcement, the state police, parole, probation, um, you know, court work, drug court. There's so much out there now. You know, and we try to expose them to all of it. And I think that's our responsibility here in criminal justice. And we, I think we do a very good job with that. I think if you ask, uh, you know, ask jo- if you ask Jonathan, I think he's certainly been exposed to that. And he's made, he's working on possibly making a decision to go to law school, which is commendable. All right, John, would you like to elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, like coming in, I definitely kind of had a, like some certain notions about like what criminal justice really was, but um. One of the first courses I took was corrections, and that kind of really painted a picture of what was really out there. And uh, it's just like so much more than actually just law enforcement. There's so many different aspects that you could get into. Yeah, I think that you're talking about the education level, because some people, like you said, they had to go in and have that perspective once they start going through it. And then they're like, I don't want to have a gun. I just want to be kind of behind the desk and do the administrative mm-hmm. work, right? Because right. they don't want to deal with some of the people in the public. But the, the it's kind of like an onion where you're peeling back everything else. You're starting to see, okay, this can spider into this. But knowing that there's those job opportunities and advancement, and like you said, you know, pension, which we kind of gravitated here towards education, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a couple of times I was considering leaving and stuff, but it's kind of hard, tough to leave when you have like that, that pension kind of sitting right there for yes. you, you know, and to take care of your family and your legacy, right? <laughs> kind of going on. Um, but tying it back a little bit to this, you know, to our, our program here, 3 Plus 1, John, the for a student that's maybe, again, looking to kind of get into it, what would you say about that 3 Plus 1 program and maybe why you would recommend it to somebody? Um, especially for someone who wants to get into law enforcement, uh, like you can get into like a local agency with 60 credits or like some of them don't even have any, like just a high school diploma or GED. But, uh, like speaking off both of, with both of these guys that, uh, just like advancing your career in your career, you're basically, you're going to need a uh, degree and, um, it's expensive, you know, and RCBC is a great option. Uh, it's just like, for me, it's like right down the road. So I'm not really traveling that much, uh. The cost of tuition is pretty low as well, and also uh, like I mean the value is great. <laughs> sure, like you're, mm-hmm. it's a great education. Just I mean for, well you know for what I'm paying. That's a lot of people see. They start start. They don't want to be in the the debt of student loans. Yeah, and then they can get the education, get back into the field, and work and kind of right away. Yeah. Which uh, to parlay that question, there, are, uh, Deputy Commissioner Bonds, internships. Uh, do you guys offer them, and um, maybe how does someone kind of go about trying to get one if they want to? you know, approach that. We, we do have internships, um, you know, like, like most people during COVID, just about everything yeah. stopped. Yeah. Um, whether it be, you know, um, internships or just about anything that involved individuals from the outside coming in the facility, you know, pretty much came to a, um, a, a halt. But now that we've, you know, kind of returned to what we call our new normal and things are opening back up. Yeah, we, we certainly are, are open to internships. I mean, you know, because of the, the work that we do, obviously uh, uh, our internships, um, I'm not going to say that they're limited. You wouldn't, we don't have, well, they are somewhat limited. They're not, you're not going to have safer. internships for um, an officer, for example. Yeah. Um, you're, you're not going to shadow an officer, nothing like that. 
but we have internships in some of our other, you know, divisions and units. Um, the connections are, are sometimes are made through um, the higher educational institutions who have ties to our, our department and or through our human resources department who um, those are the, that's the um, division in which I would refer anybody to um, if they're interested in seeing what type of internships are available at any given time. I would think shadowing an officer might be quite an experience of, of, of an internship <laughs> itself. Uh, Joe, are, yes. we, are, we're, are we providing internships or do you uh, offer them to students or making them uh, yes. aware throughout the program? We do both through RCBC. It's a three credit um, uh, course that they can take through us. They are all required if they're in three plus one as seniors to take to do a criminal justice internship um, to graduate through Rowan University. So as an example, Jonathan probably next year will be take will be doing an internship. And it has to be approved by, you know, the internship supervisor um, who will be coming to class probably in the next couple of months to talk to the students about that. But they all have to do one, yes. And I encourage them to take something that they think they might be interested in as opposed to, I'll just take this because it's down the street. Because right. in the end... They ben- it benefits nobody. It doesn't benefit the agency, and it certainly doesn't benefit them, and they're right back where they were. Because um, it seems to me more so today than, you know, again, in my time, a lot of the students aren't sure where they want to go. They, they often are debating back and forth about what area they want to work in, and not just in criminal justice, but I think in a lot of fields. But certainly in criminal justice, that's an issue. Um, so... I try to get them to consider something that would be something that they might want to do. Well, I think, and, they, and I have to cut you off, but internships also open that door, right? Correct. And, and get you, and so much about networking. Oh, uh, right? especially in today's world where yeah. there's such a need for people. If you do well in an internship, say, you know, at the Burlington County Office of Probation, let's say as an example, there's a good chance you might get a job. The same in corrections or, you know, uh, some of the some of the local police departments are using our students for internships. Yep. Well, they've exposed themselves, especially if they're doing well. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that you know many of these agencies have openings. There's also been some freedom through um, civil service today. Their requirements have gotten, correct me if I'm wrong, are less strict than they used to be because of the need. So it's a tremendous opportunity right now in in, in this field. Yeah, I, it's I, unprecedented in our <laughs> between my years and deputy commissioner's years. This is just it's un, unfathomable to both of us that this happened. That's why I try to always push my students for internships as well. Oh, yeah, it, because I said it's it's just about, again, who, you know, getting your foot in the door. And then if you're out, like you said, your yeah. work shows for itself because yeah. the biggest time or the biggest, uh, you know, catch 22 is like, you know, you need experience, but how do you get experience without the actual experience? Yes. Right. So you exactly. get in there, you know, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> is it like almost like a small world in, you know, in your fields. So like a lot of people know who other people are um, working out. Because I know in radio, people think radio broadcasting, it's such a huge you know, avenue, especially in Philadelphia, like a top five market, top 10 market and stuff. But really, we know a lot of people in connections. You jump in from radio station to radio station, you know, you have like that. Yeah, word of mouth or like that uh, that rec- letter recommendation, right. right? Sure. And you guys, I'm guessing the same thing is for your field. Yeah, it it can be. Um, it's it's a large department. Um, the field itself is large as well, not just state, county corrections, and you know the fed the federal um 
the federal has um, several facilities here in New Jersey as well. But a lot of us know each other. If we don't know each other directly, we know each other indirectly or we know um, staff members that are part of their teams and so forth and so on. So it's corrections is a large, but yet in, in some ways a small community all at the same time. All right. Well, before we get ready to wrap it up, because we're kind of way past time, but I said I just getting into you know conversations. I get really you know interested and curious, and trying to pass like educate the listeners out there listening, not knowing about a lot of this stuff. Now, I used to try to work in dad jokes throughout the show, but trying to find prison dad jokes, <laughs> I'm sure my Google search bar at work's not going to be you know I, I might be getting a letter later for, or an email from OIT or something that's kind of going on. So I'm going to limit to just one. You don't feel like you have to laugh for it, or it can be whatever. Uh, and then we'll kind of open up the floor for some final thoughts, some uh, some comments, suggestions, and stuff. But what do you call call it when a prisoner takes his own mugshot? Hmm. Crickets. Yeah, crickets. <laughs> a selfie. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how bad it is. Oh right? boy. Yeah. Okay. We can work on it. I'm not going to do right. some of the other ones because okay. a lot of them is like they're all played off the cell and everything. See, you're all cracking up now <laughs> off the side because it's so bad, right? That's that's the way it is. Uh, um, but again, before we wrap it up, is there any final remarks that I, any of you would like to say to somebody again looking to get into this field? I know we kind of touched base on it. Um, where to go? Any websites to promote? Um, programs? Whatever. The floor is uh, yours. I guess we can start with John. Anything you want to say? You want to just shout out parents? Uh, yeah, shout out my parents, definitely. <laughs> but, uh, I guess like uh, for someone who's already in the, uh, the criminal justice program at RCBC or at any school, um, I might sound like a professor and administrator, but uh, there's a lot of great resources the school has. Like Definitely, like they were saying, for, for internships, um, there's an app, Handshake. I think yep. it's, uh, I'm, yep. I'm honest, I'm on there every day looking at like uh, just different opportunities that are out there in the field. That's like another thing. It's just kind of, it's like a motivation, I guess. You can kind of really see what's out there, what you can do. It's interesting to look at it yeah gentlemen any final remarks anything well i would say again we we as educators try to expose them to the everything that's out there and it's available to them and we also give them i think the other thing is we give them um both the positives and the negatives of working in this business and i think that's important we're very honest with them um and try to have them understand some of the things we did did do well and we didn't do well and I often tell them some of the things that I did when I was working that today I probably, you know, would have been not, would have looked upon differently than they were back then. Um, and we, we share all that. And I think that's important that they understand that. And I really believe that the, the experience, the college experience certainly prepares them um, for this type of work. I really do. And I think it, it, it is a true benefit to the employer um, having these individuals who have a degree uh, from, you know, not only RCBC, but many of the colleges. Like a nice credit program. Yes, yep. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for me, I'm going to plug the department yeah, very absolutely. selfishly. No, um, that's listen, what it's here for. I, I think it's a, a, the Department of Corrections is a wonderful career. Um, it is challenging. At the same time, it is very rewarding, though. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for myself, I, I always use myself as an example not because I want to tell my story per se, because I don't like telling my story, but I, I share it for those so that they can understand what's possible for them. When I started as an officer 25 years ago, I would have never thought I'd be sitting where I'm sitting right now. Never would have thought that in a million years. But yet it happened because I was ambitious. And I, I, I every time I was promoted into a position, I mean, 
I always started thinking about what's next down the road. Um, so if I can do it, I like to tell people anybody can do it. Sure. Um, it, it's all about what you want to do, what you want to see in your career. Um, if you are interested in a career in the New Jersey Department of Corrections, you can just go to the New Jersey Department of Corrections homepage and it has all our information and, you know, different links to tell you where to go um, in order to seek employment. Um, one good thing that I do want to mention that people may or may not know, um, you know, we, we are a civil service, you know, agency, just like, you know, all um, state agencies. But for um, to be an officer, you do not have to take the civil service test anymore. You can take the civil service test and be hired that way. But thanks to um, the legislator and, and the governor who signed off on the law, um, we are able to hire directly from the streets. We don't have to just hire from the civil service list. We are, we're actually doing both nowadays. So individuals, like I said, can go to the website, follow instructions, and work through our recruitment unit in order to complete the application, the background check, and all of the things that you need to do to get hired. So most people are used to the old way where you had to sign up, you had to pay the fee, you had to take the civil service test, you had to wait for the rankings to come out, mm. hope the department called you, so forth and so on. You don't, you can still do that. And I would encourage anybody who's interested in corrections to still um, take the test when it's available, but you don't have to wait for that. You can go to our website and it will walk you right through the process. Um, we need people. We want people. Um, it's a great career. So I encourage anybody who's interested to go to our website. And the website is departmentofcorrections.gov or NJ or NJ.gov, right? We can just Google it. You, you can find <laughs> it if you go to the, um, to the state of New Jersey yeah, homepage that, yep. where you have all the agencies and all the departments. That's one easy way nice. I direct people you go there and then you can you can click Find on our, our website. Yep. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to uh, do it for this episode. Again, the first one of the fall semester, the fiscal 2023 or 24, really. But for the uh, fall 2023, this has been Jay Varga. And again, I want to thank my, go uh, my guests, Jonathan Darpino, the criminal justice major here at RCBC, assistant professor for RCBC, Joe Rizzo, and of course, deputy commissioner of New Jersey Department of Corrections, Willie Bonds. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the show. Did you have a good time? Yes. Thank you, you for, for having us. Yeah, man, it was yes. good times. Uh, so again, if you want to learn more information about RCBC's programs, you can visit rcbc.edu. And for other RCBC podcasts that we have, including the new Baroness podcast featuring uh, powerful women of Burlington County, go to rcbc.edu slash podcast. Also be sure to subscribe to the program pod and anywhere you get your podcasts at all that Apple, Google, Spotify, and everything else. But until next time, thanks for listening and enjoy. Enjoy.